0: Welcome to Policy Today, thoughtful discussion of current issues vital to the future prosperity of Washington State, produced by the Washington Research Council.
1: My name is Lou Moore. I'm the president of the Washington Research Council, and I'm here today with Professor Richard W. Evans of Brigham Young University. He is also affiliated with the American Enterprise Institute's Open Source Policy Center. He's partnering with them on a very exciting project that we're going to talk about in just a minute. But the general topic that we're going to discuss today is income inequality. We hear a lot about that these days uh, in Washington State and across America. And there's been some discussion about it in our state in relation to the income tax that we do not have and the allegedly uh, regressive nature of our tax system in Washington. So, Richard, welcome to Policy Today.
0: Thanks so much for having me, Lou.
1: So uh, just first of all, define for us uh, from an economist's point of view, what is income inequality?
0: Well, it's easier to start off with what would be income equality. That would be if you and me earned the same amount of money. Uh, Let's say we both earn $60,000 a year, year, kind of the U.S. household average. That's not the case. We've got people earning below $20,000 a year and we've got people earning above a million, 100 million, $200 million Mm -hmm. a year. I mean so there's a lot of inequality, income inequality in the United States, even more wealth inequality. If we're talking about income, that's how much you and I earn this year. Right? That's not how much we have in the bank. Wealth inequality is even greater in the United States.
1: Mm-hmm. So how much of a problem is this and why is this issue so interesting to you?
0: Well, so if you look at the two extremes, I think that's the most illustrative. Perfect equality, I think most economists would agree that's a bad thing. That gets rid of all the incentives uh, to work. That uh, gets rid of a lot of the incentives to take risk and to innovate – a little bit – you don't want perfect equality mm-hmm. uh, because we're just not equal in terms of ability and you want to pay people what they're worth and incentivize them to to give what they're able to produce in the market. So equality – perfect equality is usually thought of as a bad thing. The other extremes also thought of as a bad thing. If a small group of people have all the wealth and a large group of people have none of the wealth, uh, that's – It can likely lead to revolution, unrest, both political and military. I mean, so that's a bad situation as well. So as with most things in economics, the truth probably lies somewhere in the middle. You don't want too much inequality, but you don't want too little either. You want to make Mm -hmm. sure there are incentives out there. And that's kind of the unsatisfactory answer that – we come up with in economics. And to find out where the right place is, you got to have some kind of model that tells you in the first place why you either like inequality or why you don't like inequality.
1: Mm-hmm. Sure. So how is inequality measured today from an economist's point of view?
0: So one of the main measures is called a Gini coefficient. It just measures uh, what percent of the people own what percent of the wealth. And the higher this number uh, is, uh, the higher the inequality Level is. Uh, the state of Utah, where I live, actually has one of the lowest income Gini coefficients. Whoa. I haven't looked at Washington. I should have before this interview, but I didn't see them at the top mm-hmm. in terms of inequality either. Although I believe you have Bill Gates, is that correct? Uh, we do. <laughs> so I you believe may have, he still
1: lives in Medina. Yeah, y- so.
0: you may have more inequality in Washington State than we have in Utah, but uh, mm-hmm. you're not the top of the country either. Yeah,
1: our understanding is, well, I think we're somewhere in the middle yeah. of most of these indices. But uh,
0: that's likely.
1: Sure. So, um, how much do tax structures affect income inequality? As I started the show, uh, as I mentioned when we started the show. We have no income tax in Washington state. We have almost a 10% sales tax. We have 54% of our taxes are on the the backs of businesses. These are factors that are somewhat, I think, unique to our state. So so how how would those factors, how would various types of tax structures, whether they're like our states or more (laughs) like Utah's where you have an income tax, how do they affect this question of inequality?
0: All right. So that's the big question and that's something that uh, until recently I don't think has been done very well. So let me give you an example. Uh, There's a recent paper by a colleague of mine at Boston University, Larry Kotlikoff, and a few of his co-authors looking at the effect of eliminating the corporate tax. So the, the corporate tax in the United States is the highest among all developed countries. And it's hard to estimate that because not only do you have to estimate how does that affect a firm's bottom line when you cut the corporate tax, but you've got to also estimate if you cut the corporate tax, you're going to have a lot of firms moving back to the United States or vice versa. If you raise the corporate tax, you're going to have firms leaving the United States. So I think that paper of theirs was one of the first good economic models looking at kind of those effects of not only the direct effect of the tax, but the indirect effect of on firms' incentives to stay in the United States or to locate their profit centers outside of the United States in lower tax regimes. So I think that's extremely salient for states mm-hmm. because the states, we all compete with each other. Utah's competing for uh, firms and households Uh, With other states, we've had a lot of net migration into the state from California, from their uh, problems economically that they've had. I would assume that Washington state has seen some of the same flows. But if you were to change the state income tax or the state corporate tax structures in the state of Washington, most economic models are good at estimating the direct effects of that. What they're not good at is estimating are people going to leave the state, are firms going to leave the state. Or is this going to induce people to move into the state or firms to move into the state?
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, so as an economist, you're trying to get this whole issue on a more scientific basis, I'm I'm assuming. And uh, yes, indeed, policymakers would love to be able to predict that if they – give Boeing a tax incentive, there's a certain effect. And if they do not give Boeing a tax incentive, there's another effect. And have that be in a a predictive model that's credible. So uh, tell me a little bit about the project you're working on with AEI right now.
0: All right. So this, I think, is a clever thing. The Joint Committee on Taxation has their own model. Congressional Budget Office, CBO, has their own model for, they call it scoring, for estimating the effects of tax policy on revenues. The Tax Policy Center, it's a think tank in Washington, D.C. They all have their own model. These are all proprietary models. Mm -hmm. So if somebody proposes a tax policy, the Joint Committee on Taxation is going to estimate the effects of that policy on revenues, on revenue changes. However, I can't go ask the JCT what was in the guts of their model. These Mm -hmm. are proprietary models that makes it at best – a little bit suspect, and, uh, and and it's certainly hard to call it science when I, I can't look at it and I can't manipulate it or say, well, do sensitivity analysis. What happens if we change a little bit of what you're doing? So with that background, the Open Source Policy Center at the American Enterprise Institute is to build a big economic model... For scoring tax policy, for estimating the effects of tax policy, and make it open source. So not only am I going to estimate and tell you what the effects of the tax policy are going to be, I'm going to show you the code. So we're using all, we're doing this all in Python for the computer programmers out there. Um, all of this is open source technology that anybody can run. And so I can estimate what, for you what the effects are and then you can say, well, Rick, what about if I change this parameter or this parameter? Or what if I think of tax policy change as being this way rather than that way? And, and now we can talk.
1: Sure. So how far along is this project? Sounds really exciting. We're
0: pretty close. We have a draft of a paper estimating the effect of a wealth tax versus an income tax on reducing inequality. That mm-hmm. paper has essentially the household side of the model. And the firm side, which is about 48 industries, so this is a massive piece wow. of mathematical modeling, uh, that should be done in the next couple months. I mean so we're scheduling conferences to present this ad, uh, pulling people together for little informal meetings in D.C. to look at this and do information sharing. And we're thinking in the next two months we have this thing up and running.
1: That is really exciting. Well, I I think I had mentioned to you that uh, right now we're considering a new capital gains tax. We don't have the income tax structure that Utah and other states have that that the capital gains tax is just folded into. But our governor is seeking to just set up a freestanding capital gains tax, which uh, is supposedly trying to get at this question of income inequality.
0: Yeah, so I'm actually going to go talk to the governor of Utah today about some of these same subjects. And one thing that I – one piece of counsel that I'm giving is inequality is important. But for one state to act unilaterally to do a policy that reduces inequality – might hurt that state quite a bit. For example, if Washington increased the progressivity – well, added any state income tax or increased the taxes on corporations, you might actually lose high net worth, high productivity individuals Mm -hmm. and you might lose firms. So that kind of unilateral action by states might actually hurt those states pretty badly and benefit states that that don't do those policies. So the counsel that I'm giving is let the federal government – do inequality policy through things like more progressive income taxes and potentially a wealth tax. I mean, one finding that we have is that a wealth tax is not very effective, that a more progressive income tax is better. But so states, if they need to raise more revenue, look at things like sales taxes, property taxes. You want to tax items... That are not very elastic. That means people aren't going to change their behavior very much with those taxes. And further, you want to look for items or areas that are not regressive either. Uh, So you're doing uh, not regressive taxation but progressive.
1: So I've got a question for you on that. I'm given to understand that uh, folks think that liquor taxes and tobacco taxes are exceedingly regressive, that they're very hard on the poor What are the findings that you've seen in that area?
0: So one paper that we have under review right now, revise and resubmit at the Journal of Public Economics, looks at optimal sales taxation. One thing that was surprising – well, I'll lay this out in three pieces. There were three main taxes that – three main consumption areas that are pretty inelastic. It was uh, entertainment and luxury, alcohol and tobacco, and uh, rented dwellings. And so that means if you put a tax on those items, people are going to respond a lot less than other things. And so one, that's a plus for taxation because you want as few distortions as possible. However, I would have – going into this project, I thought that alcohol and tobacco would be a pretty – Regressive tax. That is, I thought that poor people spent a larger percentage of their income on alcohol and tobacco than rich people. That's not the case. Uh, it, it was interesting. You look at the Consumer Expenditures Survey, and for all income levels, the percent spent on alcohol and tobacco is about the same. So that looks like it would be taxing the rich about it the same amount as it taxes the poor. Uh, luxury and entertainment was also a pretty constant expenditure share across all incomes. So poor people spend as much as rich people rented dwellings would be very regressive. That's one where just the poor spend a lot more on that than the rich. And so if you were to tax that, sure, it would be inelastic, wouldn't change behavior a lot, but that would be a tax that's really onerous on the poor.
1: Interesting. So I want to circle back to our ongoing debate about a state income tax. So you mentioned – High productivity individuals of which we've had a number in our state that have done a number of things that are now – that have turned into national icons actually in in the economy. So can you talk about that a little bit more?
0: Yeah, I think one example is in France. The French government a couple years ago proposed – I believe it was a 75 percent tax, raising their income tax on the highest income bracket from 40 or 50 percent to 75 percent. And instantly, a lot of their wealthiest residents said they were moving. I th- I think what happened is that the legislators decided not to do that. They repealed that very strong form. They did increase the top bracket, but not by as much. Just imagine if that were you, and all of a sudden the government were going to be costing you millions more dollars to live in the place you lived. There are a lot of great places to live. Seattle's a great city. Uh there are other great cities in the United States and in other countries. So to close your analysis to say nobody's going to change their behavior if we change tax policies. That's one of the fundamental errors in economic analysis. You and I are going to change our behavior to do what's best for us based on what the policy in place is.
1: Sure. Absolutely. Professor Evans, we really appreciate your time today. This has been a very interesting discussion. And so just to to close, this model that you're developing will help us to be predictive about people's behaviors individually as well as corporations. And is that correct? That's correct. Looking at these tax structures. So this could be a very powerful tool in the hands of particularly of state policymakers. We're
0: excited about it. Well,
1: we look forward to hearing an update from you. Thanks a lot, Lou. Thank you. My name is Lou Moore. I'm with the Washington Research Council. Again, we want to thank Professor Richard W. Evans of Brigham Young University, also working with the Open Source Policy Center at the American Enterprise Institute. We also want to thank BYU Broadcasting, who allowed us to use their facilities today for this podcast episode. Thank you so much.
0: Policy Today is a production of the Washington Research Council, dedicated to providing timely, credible research and policy analysis supporting economic vitality and private sector job creation. For more information, go to researchcouncil.org.